This podcast is also part of a pod course, which is available for credit on speechtherapypd.com. All you need to do is register for the course, complete the requirements, and you will receive credit. More than ever, I am super selective on how I spend my time, whether it's choosing which emails to read or how I get my continuing ed units. I want value for my time and efforts. I'm Shar Beauchart, and I bet you can relate. So when I say I get my CEUs from SpeechTherapyPD.com, just know their speech-language videos and pod courses are practical and totally worth it. And right now, you have the exclusive opportunity to pay less for the subscription than I I did. <laughs> okay? Memorize this discount code. It's SHAR, C-H-A-R. Just go to speechtherapypd.com, subscribe, and at checkout, type in what? SHAR, C-H-A-R. You get a $10 discount for heaven's sakes. <laughs> Do it now. It doesn't take long. Speechtherapypd.com. You and your speech kids will be glad you did. It's time well spent. Welcome to The Speech Link. I'm your host, Shar Beauchart, and I invite you to listen and learn practical strategies from experienced experts to take your therapy to the next level. I'd heard good things about this gentleman for years, but we never had the opportunity to meet. So what had I actually heard about him? That he was intelligent, that he was an outstanding speech pathologist, that he was a really nice person, and of course, I knew him from his program, the Sat Pack. And as a testament to him and to many people in our field, I never heard about this one thing from anyone. No one ever mentioned it. What am I talking about? Well, I think I'll let you figure that out. Listen closely for meaning and ideas. There's a lot here. Grab your pen and paper. Here we go. Today, my guest is Stephen Sachs. He's a school speech-language pathologist in Fresno, California, and in fact, he has four decades of school therapy experience. He's also given approximately 200 presentations at workshops and school districts and state speech and hearing conventions and the ASHA convention. In addition, he's written several professional articles, and that just scratches the surface. Steve has quite a history of service to the kids and to our profession. He's the 2011 recipient of the American Speech and Hearing Foundation Van Haddam Award for Outstanding Commitment and Contribution in the Schools. He was honored for developing an innovative multimodality approach to address specific articulation disorders of school-aged children. And that brings us to the SATPAC, S-A-T-P-A-C. He developed the SATPAC, an acronym for Systematic Articulation Training Program Accessing Computers. This computer-based intervention is a methodology that helps us to help our kids, our therapy kids, practice target speech sounds in phonetically favorable contexts. And the SATPAC is a very well and very, very well-respected approach and is used extensively across the United States. Now, in full disclosure, Steve is the owner and developer of SATPAC and receives royalties. 
And if you're wondering, this is not a commercial, okay? Because almost more interesting is the methodology and the person behind the program. So in addition to the SAT pack, we can learn a lot from you, Steve. And I'm looking forward to our time together. Welcome to the speech link. Well, thank you very much, Char. That's really a very um, great introduction. I wasn't really expecting that. I feel really honored to be asked to do this podcast. Um, uh. And the reason is, is that when I do my workshops, I always mention that I have three oral motor gurus. And they are the late, wonderful Pam Marshalla, mm, yes. the, um, the Talk Tools people, Sarah Rosenfeld Johnson, yes. and you are the third one. So oh. I feel really honored to be asked to do this today. Thank you. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I That's, uh, you know, that's in, I'm in good company there. I, I, well, you are. So I, what I do say is that if you take any courses from any of these three, you will learn a lot. And just as I've learned a lot. So anyway. Um, good, good. Well, that's great. I'd, I'm so glad. And hopefully there's, you know, there's been some influence in there. And as we get into our, our session here, our time together, um, I know that you've had several other people, Eugene McDonald and, and others that have influenced you. And then as you've gone along, you've created your own and you've become a guru to a lot of people too. So um, Steve, why don't we kind of start at the beginning? And um, it was the year 1975 or so, I'm thinking, when the direction of your life was radically altered. And you were working in a recording studio as a sound engineer, which is right up your alley for doing a podcast. <laughs> And you completely lost your voice from shouting over the loud rock music, I understand. Is that basically what happened? And what ensued? Yeah, that's correct. So what happened was I went to Fresno State, and they had a speech therapy program there. And I started getting therapy with a student clinician. And I thought, gee, this speech stuff is really kind of interesting. And <laughs> I had not known that our field even existed. So I um, thought, you know, perhaps I'm going to pursue this as a career. At the same time, I was diagnosed with this condition called abductory spasmodic dysphonia. And basically what that is, it's a voice disorder. And the form that I have, it um, the vocal cords will open sort of when they feel like it, not necessarily when I want them to. So mm. that leads mm. to a lot of breathiness. Mm -hmm. So over the years, I've had two surgeries, which I thought would help me. And it turned out that both of them really did damage to my voice. Oh, no. And the last surgery I had, which was 12 years ago, I was really um, excited about. And I th thought it would 
lead to much better voice quality. And what happened was, I, after the surgery, I had this really significant vocal tremor, which wasn't there previously. So if you notice the way I speak, that it's kind of in this staccato fashion, because if I lengthen the duration of my syllables, what comes out is this real shaky tremor. So you've had to alter how you speak and become so really focused on speaking. Exactly. So, I mean, it's sort of like every time I open my mouth, I'm not sure what's going to come out. And I feel like I have to make adjustments on the fly. But as I say in my workshops, um, you know, because a lot of times people are looking really concerned when they hear what I sound like. And I say, well, if you pay attention to the content and not my voice quality, you're going to be fine. You, you'll <laughs> definitely get something out of it. But anyway, so mm-hmm. that's really the bad news. But there's a lot of good news that occurred because of my voice disorder. Mm-hmm. And that is what led me to become an SLP. And it's been a really rewarding career for the past 40 years. And I feel really good knowing how many lives I've changed for the better. Plus, you know, and I had no idea that this would happen, but that through my workshops and the setback program, I've really empowered a lot of SLPs um, to become better. And I get lots of unsolicited emails from SLPs saying, you know, I've really learned a lot about this or this program is great. And so that's what really keeps me what I'm doing because actually eight years ago I retired and, um, but what my retirement looks like is that I work twice a week in the schools. (laughs) Plus I do about 10 workshops a year around the country. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you've you've retired. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you were working full time before and probably doing more workshops and writing and doing the articles and so on. So yeah, you've you've slowed up. What maybe fifty percent? <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. Oh well, good for you. Well, I am just I'm amazed at what you have accomplished, and you had this voice disorder when you went through the university, didn't you? And how how were they with all that? Yeah, yeah. Well, it was really interesting in that I was say that my voice quality was much worse then. And so, you know, probably the the thing that got me through is that I was really good academically. And so, um, but I really had my ups and downs. And I remember there was this one incident where this particular professor who we didn't get along very well, she just really called me out and she said, you know, you really don't belong in this profession. And and um, so that was probably the low point. And I was thinking, well, perhaps I should just drop out. And then I talked 
two, one of my other professors who really liked me. And um, she said that when I told her what had happened, she said, um, are you kidding? Steve, you are going to be a great speech therapist. So I'm always indebted to that person because that really changed the course of my life. Yes, definitely. Yeah, some support. And uh, that professor was right. So good for her. Now, would you say this is getting you into the schools and asking kind of a schools question, but we're still on topic here. Would you say as you have done therapy through the years, that having this um, dysphonia has been in some ways, a bit of a benefit. I mean, the kids come in and they have their brand of delay or disorder. And I'm going to say you have yours. Right. Well, absolutely. It's been a benefit in that, you know, it's it's, um, the kind of situation where you just don't give up and you keep working at it and you're patient and I really um, try to impart that in my students that, you know, this is really difficult. Your R sound is, if it were easy, you would have fixed this a long time ago, but it's hard and you Mm -hmm. just got to keep practicing and you're going to get it. I've never had a kid who hasn't gotten it as long as they tried. So, wow. Well, there you go. 40 years of experience and persistence pays off. Good. Well, let's jump in and let's talk about the history, if you will, of the SATPAC um, design and program and the information where it comes from. And, you know, what got you going uh, with wanting to design this? Was it need <laughs> or, you know, what, what initiated it? Well, yeah. Okay. That, that's a great question. So what happened was one day in the mid 1990s, mm-hmm. I was sitting in my therapy room and I was thinking after a day of work that, you know, as SLPs, we are really missing the boat in terms of remediating speech sound disorders because what is our ultimate goal? Our ultimate goal is conversational competence. But Mm -hmm. what I saw happening with most SLPs is they would pull out these decks of cards and they would work on isolated words that had a target sound in initial or final position. And that's really nothing like conversational speech. So I was thinking, okay, what are the elements of conversation and how could I design a program to incorporate those elements into therapy? So that was really the origin of the SATPAC program. And it's really um, a program and an approach. 
so, you know, the the idea of incorporating elements that are conversation conversation like is really the approach, and the program is just a software program that incorporates this. Okay. So talk with me about the approach piece. And I bet this just didn't happen overnight. You probably took years and experimented along the way. And I bet it, I mean, it might have been computerized right off the bat or it wasn't or, you know, what was the ebb and flow of the creation? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So um, um, I'm going to leave out a lot of the um, the minute details, but basically what happened was we had Dr. Richard Shine, who came to Fresno right as I had this realization about that we were missing the boat, and he presented the workshop to our district about basically facilitating contexts. And he was a student of Eugene McDonald, who had done a lot of work with facilitating contexts. So anyway, basically what I did was, um, well, our district decided to adopt his approach to doing therapy. And what happened was that it involved making these lists of non-words, these CVC, CVC non-words. And we started doing this. And what happened was that we quickly abandoned this system because it took so long to write out these lists. It took like an hour or more for each particular sound. Mm. So, but I could really see the value of this method. So I talked to my friend Bob, who was a computer programmer, and I kind of laid out what I wanted. And Bob produced this prototype for me. And so I started using it with my students and I was just really blown away for a couple of reasons. First was in a short like 25 minute session, I was finding that I was getting like two to 300 correct responses which was, you know, remarkable. Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, because a typical session, you don't get anything close to that. And then I was also blown away by how quickly my students were progressing because I'd always thought that, you know, I'm really good at remediating speech sound disorders, but that was a real wake-up call that, you know, I really wasn't that good <laughs> when I saw how effective using this system was. So what happened was, as I developed the program and used the system, I was finding that I was consistently remediating 
kids with frontal lisps in less than five hours of therapy time and kids with our wow. issues in less than 10 hours Wow, for the most part. So, I mean, this was just dramatically better than anything I'd ever seen. So anyway, what happened was that Dr. Shine had kind of given me a, an idea of what to do, but there were a lot of pieces that were missing. And so what happened was I borrowed some of his ideas and created the setback program. So for instance, he had these 18 lists of these non-words. And um, what I did is I made it into six essential lists where I um, got rid of a lot of the stuff that over time I could see was not essential. Plus, I developed a generalization transfer phase as part of the program because the idea is, you know, you practice, you develop this consistent motor pattern where you learn your particular speech sound. And from there, after using it in non-words, then you need to use it in real life. So there needs to be a systematic generalization transfer phase. Yes. So basically um, what the SATPAC program is, it's just a list generator. But instead of taking hours to develop these lists, it prints them out in maybe two or three seconds. And also, one of the really good features of the program is that you can customize your lists. So, for example, I have different kids who have a lisp, for example, and yet I use different lists for them because one kid might not have the R sound. And for that particular student, what I do is eliminate any sounds that are not in the student's repertoire. So you can customize the list. Also, there's always sounds which would tend to interfere with your target. So for example, a kid with a frontal lisp, you would not want the TH sounds to be in the lists because you don't want him interdentalizing, right? So you can eliminate the TH sounds from your list. Right. So what you're left with are these CV, CV, CVC, CVC lists, which can be presented rapidly like we speak in conversation and they only include 
the sounds that the students can say. So there's nothing that's going to trip them up. And what happens is that as you go through the program, you start in a place where you're being very much um, based on a facilitating context word. So, for example, for the kids who have frontal lisps, I will often use the word beat seat. Spell that. Spell that for me. Okay. It's B-E-E-T-S-E-E-T. Beat seat. Okay. Beat seat. Gotcha. You may be wondering, so why beat seat? Okay. Because this is an excellent facilitating context word because the B requires no tongue positioning. The E gets the tongue wide in the lingua alveolar area. The T gets the tongue tip up, which is what you want for the S sound. So if you take this beat and you lengthen the duration of the T sound, you get this beats and you get a correct S sound. Mm -hmm. And again, followed by the E and the T, keeping the tongue in the correct position. So what I did in the Zatback program was I developed these facilitating context words mm-hmm. for every error sound and phonological process. So a lot of times these words are really helpful to begin with. Now, mm-hmm. as they go through the lists, what happens is that at first you're trying to establish a consistent motor pattern. So, for example, in list one, using the word beat seat, all the words are going to have this seat, 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 because, again, you want to establish this consistent pattern. So it would be like this. You're modeling these words for the student. And so I'll pretend I'm being both the SLP and the student. So it's like this. Beat seat, beat seat, mid seat, mid seat, weight seat, weight seat, fat seat, fat seat, like that. Mm-hmm. So over and over again, they're going seat, 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 seat. And what this does is develops this consistent motor pattern. Now, the reason that non-words are used is that you couldn't do that with real words because you can't come up with words that are ending in seat, seat, seat. And so that's one of the real advantages of using non-words. Right. And 
there's also an advantage in that, you know, you have the word seat. Well, the student has no association with seat. If you ask him to say soap, you know, he's probably said the word soap incorrectly perhaps a thousand times in his life. So he has all these associations of what the word should sound like, right? what the word should feel like, and they're all incorrect. So by avoiding that and doing things like beat seat, mid seat, wait seat, you get around all that. Char Beauchard here. True story. I just hung up the phone with an SLP that had attended an on-site seminar. She said she loved the seminar, but she forgot to fill out her ASHA participant form. Sounds easy enough, huh? Uh-uh. The seminar was three months ago, and all the paperwork had been submitted, and ASHA doesn't take late forms. So I said, Linda, you have to file an appeal with ASHA. Then she said, this is a nightmare. I drove two hours to get there, two hours to get home, and now I have to file an appeal. I felt for her. And then I said, Linda, have you ever heard of SpeechTherapyPD.com? She said, no. I said, just get your CEUs online, girl. That's what I do. You don't have to leave home. They have over 500 hours of video, a huge variety of topics for SLPs that work with children and adults. And if you don't want to watch a video, then listen to the pod courses and get your CEUs that way. Then she said, they're pretty expensive, right? I said, uh, no, their plans start at $89 a year for heaven's sake. And then I I said, do you want the icing on the cake? SpeechTherapyPD.com has scheduled a CEU cruise next summer to Italy and Greece. Woohoo! She said, okay, I'm looking them up right now. And so should you. SpeechTherapyPD.com. Check them out. Tell your friends. You'll be glad you did. Well, you are, you know, you're emphasizing the lateral margin stabilization, the anchorage of the sides of the tongue on the insides of the top back teeth. And um, I don't know if you're familiar, but a, a really good article came out. I believe it was last year in March. And um, I think it was called Speaking Tongues Are Actively Braced. And it's, I mean, we've all known that the sides of the tongue anchor, and that that's where the S's are supposed to be anchored up, up above, you know, within the dental arch area. And I love it that you're using an E, which is a high tight vowel, and it's up there and it has the bracing, the lateral margin stabilization. So it makes all kinds of sense. And then you have the nice T where it also has the lateral margin stabilization and the bracing, and you have a little bit of front tongue vertical movement there, and it, it kind of mimics and gets the child prepared for that S. So it makes total physiological sense to me when you're talking about stabilization and mobilization and so on. Exactly. And so one of the interesting things that happened in my life was that um, – a couple of years before 
before she passed away, Pam did some workshops for my company. And so we were talking one day and interestingly, you know, she had never really known anything about setback and I really didn't know that much about the way she did therapy other than her workshops. But we were talking and you know about his beat seat and interestingly she had done virtually the exact same thing but she had done it in her way where she used to word um, I forget what the word was but it was um, it ended in seat and she just used it over and over again and she went through this progression that was very similar to the setback program and I thought yeah Pam great minds think alike you know (laughs) yep yep we're all on the same wavelength here and you know I have something in my little program and bag of tricks called the phonetic context probe and it's a single page and it has all the vowels, you know, from, you know, the, the high fronts and, and high backs to the low fronts and the low backs and so on, and uh, initial, medial, final, and so on. And you just, you say the combinations and the child says the combinations and you see which combinations they're able to say. And you work off of that. So I like that kind of that minimalist working on that motoric pattern of just establishing that placement, not only the stabilization and so on, but the movement from one sound to another, and kind of getting used to just nailing that down. That makes lots of sense to me. Yeah. So I, I think that's really one of the big reasons why the program is so successful in that you start with this really highly repetitious motor pattern and you do this over and over again and pretty soon the student gets it till list one has those very similar words like beat seat, mid seat, weight seat but as you go through the program what happens is you move away from this facilitating context till you can say that S sound in any context. So, for example, when you get to list five, you can hear how different these words are from the beat seat, mid seat, weight seat. So, list five might have words like if see ix aim say el stuff like that and you can hear it doesn't have that same pattern you know that was very close to being facilitating so now what you find is the students are able to use the s sound in pretty much any context. Yeah. Now, do you see, again, you've done this with probably thousands of kids. Do you see a pattern 
just thinking about this, there's probably a pattern for some kids, but I bet you have some kids that, you know, head out a different direction. But what what have you seen through the years? Well, absolutely. And that's what makes our job interesting. And, And in my workshops, I say, you know, I have never in my 25 years of using the SATPAC program, I've never once gone through the program from beginning to end because that's where we use our professional judgment. Mm -hmm. Because what happens is, as I'm going through the lists, what I will notice is that, okay, this kid's got it. We can move on now and do something more difficult. Or other kids, it's like, we have to stay on list one for weeks and weeks and weeks until they get this consistent motor pattern down. So we really have to use our professional judgment in decision-making. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I I call it doing capability-based therapy because it's all based on what the child is able to do. And you kind of follow the kid's lead, it sounds like. Exactly, right. Yeah, I mean, I've been blown away by some of the progress. I mean, I had, I talk about my, you know, in quotes, my miracle cures. <laughs> I had these two kids who were on my, this was years ago, they were on my son's Little League baseball team and they didn't have the R sound. And I talked to their parents and I said, you know, would you like me to work with your kids over the summer? And they were really happy. And I, these were kids who were in my school district and I talked to their therapists and they were happy too because these kids were really not progressing. So I saw these kids individually and in six 30-minute sessions, both of these kids were completely remediated. Wow. Yeah, how old were they? Or what grade? They were they were third third or fourth graders. I don't recall. Wow. Way to go. Yeah. I bet they're calling you the miracle worker. (laughs) (laughs) You know? No doubt. Wow. Well, good for you. Good for the kids. And I bet the parents were ecstatic. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right now, I have this really interesting case where um, I got this phone call. I live in California from this woman in Colorado. And she said that she had talked to a speech therapist who was using my program. And anyway, she has a son who is in college and he has lots of difficulty with our sound. So I 
you know, this sounds like a really fun challenge to take on working with a college kid. So anyway, um, we've been working now for, I would say, six months. And we're now close to the end of therapy. And um, this kid is doing a lot of self-monitoring. And um, I use a, I have him use a tally counter whenever um, he is doing these various exercises. So I'm having him read where he will push the tally counter every time he says the R sound. And then he talks about what he's read and he pushes the tally counter whenever he uses the R sound. So anyway, he's about 80% accurate right now. And um, it's just really exciting. One, um, about three months ago, things were not going well. And he was really, really making slow progress. And we stopped. And I said, do you know the story of the tortoise and the hare? And he said, yeah, I know that. So I said, okay, you're the tortoise. Meaning that, you know, slow and steady wins the race. And, you know, he caught it. And he's been working diligently and he's going to get it. Yeah, sounds like it. So I had a question for you that I wanted to bring up because when I remediate my S sounds, I kind of have a strange way of doing it. And I have a certain oral motor technique that I use, which has been incredibly successful. And I think I might have gotten this technique from you at one of the workshops I went to of yours. So let me describe this technique, if it's okay with you. Sure, of course. Okay. So for my S kids, um, I asked them to say eat. We don't talk about S. And so typically what happens is that instead of keeping the lateral margins of the tongue stabilized on the back molars, what happens is the tongue narrows, it drops off the teeth, and they use the whole tongue to push forward to say eat. Okay, so what I do with them is I use this technique called um, E-pop, okay, where you're popping your tongue. So is that your technique? 
You know, it, it could have been derived from some things that I've talked about, but not directly. But the popping sounds kind of like a vertical movement where you're trying to get that tongue up to the top and trying to get it to move vertically because speech sounds are vertical instead of allowing that tongue to continue to move horizontally. So it, it, it sounds like it's kind of based in some things that I've talked about, but yeah, what, what else? Keep it going. Okay. So here, here's, here's what happens. And I've used this with every um, frontal lisp kid mm-hmm. who has not been able to keep, keep the tongue stabilized. So I asked them to say E pop. So it's like this E, like that. Uh-huh. E, okay. Got it. And then I have them do that. We do it in um, groups of 100. So I use a tally counter and I they can watch what number they're on. And they go E, E, E. Do it over and over and over again. Okay. Then for homework, they have to do a hundred of these EPOPs every night. Okay. Mm-hmm. And they come back and we do more and more. And then I say, okay, you're doing really well. Now we're going to play freeze tag with the tongue. <laughs> Okay, so here's what you do. When I say freeze, you have to stop your tongue right there. So I go E pop, E pop, E freeze. And instead of popping, they've gotten their tongue up in the lingua ovular position and they hold it there. And giving them a mirror and a flashlight, I say, look at this. This is perfect. This is exactly what I want. Can you see that the sides of your tongue are touching those back teeth? Yeah, that's exactly what we want. Can you see that your your tongue, it's right behind those top front teeth. That's perfect. That's exactly what we want. So let's try that again. Let's see if you can just do E-freeze. Okay. And with lots and lots of repetitions, they get it. And so what happens with this E-pop is that it transitions from keeping the tongue stabilized with the E to being able to keep the tongue stabilized with pop. And so that's a transition that they could not do previously with eat. But after doing this e-pop, they are able to do it. And from the e-freeze, it goes into eat. And then I say, okay, I'm going to teach you a French sound. 
it's called the French tea, which is, I think I just do this to amuse myself <laughs> because virtually all my students are Spanish speaking, you know. <laughs> okay. So, so they look at me, wow, I'm going to learn a French sound. <laughs> so here's your French sound. What you do is you make the tea longer. So you do this, you say, eats, and then they go, eats, and they make a perfect S sound. But at that point, I don't say, wow, perfect S, because they have this whole idea about what the S sound is and what it feels like and sounds like. And this isn't it. Right. So I don't mention the S at all. I say, wow, that's great. Let's keep going. Let's do a um, hundred of these French teas. They're going eats, 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 eats. And then from there, we go into eats, e, beats, e, beats. And that's how they move from um, learning how to make yeah. that sound into the SADPAC program. Nice. Very nice. Yeah. You know, I, there are flashes of things that, um, that I've used and that I think I, I do talk about. And I use that, the tongue pop and so on to generate tongue on top positioning for resting uh-huh. And then go from the resting piece and, and calling attention to the sides of the tongue and the sides of the teeth and all of that. So, yeah, it's it's all very similar. I would throw them all into the same pot. <laughs> okay. Right. And yeah, they're, they're all they're all in there and focusing on the same thing. I mean, after all, we are, you know, we're heading toward a stabilized tongue where the front part of the tongue moves vertically. I mean, Instead of getting whole tongue horizontal movement, which is what you described before, you want, quotes, half tongue vertical with the sides holding on, giving support. And if doing a tongue pop emphasizes that vertical and gives them awareness of the sides of the tongue and then emphasizing the E and the stabilization and then slide it into a T and then an S, I I think that's great. I think it's the way to go. And I, you know, I'm, I'm thrilled that you're doing that and that you're talking about it because, and, you know, in, in today's society, you know, they're saying, oh, oh, we have to, you know, just work on, on speech sounds. Well, what you have done is parse the speech sounds and looking at it from a stabilization, mobilization point of view. And then you put all the puzzle pieces together and you've got it. So, yes, it makes total sense to me, and I, I certainly appreciate everything that you just said. Well, thank you. I mean, you know, so how did I learn this stuff? Well, it was through your workshops, through Sarah Rosenfeld Johnson's workshops, through Pam Marshall's workshops. So, you know, I didn't just uh, make this stuff up. <laughs> Well, and you've perfected it as you've gone through the years and working with the kids. And our kids are just great teachers. And you have also done, and I know our time is fleeting here, but I do want you to talk a little bit about the peer-reviewed studies that you have done. Well, I could do a 
really quick summary because there's we have five studies that um, have been peer reviewed and since 2013. And so the first one, it was a study I did with a group of kids with lisps and they received 15 10 minute sessions individually over uh, weekly. And so they got two and a half hours of therapy and most of them were remediated. That was using the SATPAC program. So the problem with that was that SATPAC is my program and I did the therapy. So we did the basically the same study, but 15 minute sessions over 12 weeks. And um, so it was three hours of therapy. And again, most of the kids were remediated. And then the third study involved the R sound where kids got four and a half to seven and a half hours of weekly 15 minute sessions. And again, most were remediated. Um, the fourth study was a case study where I had a middle school student who did not have the R sound. And in seven sessions, well, what was interesting was he was trying to use a retroflex and I showed him how the back or bunched R was so much easier, so much more economical. And he just got it. And then in seven 30-minute sessions, he was completely remediated. And then the last study that I did, and I presented this at the ASH convention in uh, LA a couple of years ago, was about these three middle school special day class kids who their teachers said to me, you know, I can't understand a word these kids are saying. And I'm saying to myself, oh yeah, sure. <laughs> and then when I saw these kids, they were, the teachers were right. I couldn't understand these kids either. So basically using the SATPAC program, what happened was these kids just made miracle growth. And what was so exciting was that um, they, two of them got a year of therapy, weekly 30 minute sessions. And one got two years, but because of the change in their speech, what happened is their personalities totally changed where they started initiating conversation with their peers. They walked differently. They looked differently. It was just really exciting. Ah. Uh. 
That is exciting. That is just so exciting. And you personally are an inspiration. And I appreciate your work with the with the kids and with your program and so on. And, you know, you are just an amazing individual. And it's just, you know, too bad that you're not still out there working, you know, full time with the kids. But I certainly understand it. You know, they're lucky to still have you two days a week. <laughs> so. well, well, thank you. You're, you're a very kind person. You know, I'm sure that there's a satpack.com or someplace that we can find out more about you and about the program. Right. So um, we'd just like to say that uh, there is actually a satpack.com, S-A-T-P-A-C.com. And if anybody is, is interested in the program, we have a free trial that you can get and then you can generate some lists and just try it out and see what you think. Good to know. Sounds good. And also, uh, yeah, one more thing. If anybody has any questions for me, I'd be happy to answer them. And it's just Steve at Sarbosan here. Yes, here's thank you for adding that to you. Thank you, Steve. You take care. A lot you more too. Thanks a lot. Sign up for Bye-bye. Matters at Sharboshart.com. It's free. Learn our tech and language tips and techniques and tons of ideas for making your school therapy life easier and more effective. I've been a therapist for 30 plus years and I love to share what I've learned. Sign up for Therapy Matters, read it or listen to it at Sharboshart.com. You'll be glad you did because the therapy that you do matters. Sign up now. Thank you for listening to the speech link. Please check out my other offerings at my website, charvoshart.com, and also speechtherapypd.com. See you next time for more interviews, information, and insights. Until then, thank you so much for all that you do with your speech kids. Be well, and God bless. 